0: Welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our Game Week 30 preview. We are definitely in the final stretch of the season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the uh, finalist to my charity shield. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, yeah, I know you're not are not, not the best, but um, yeah, it was uh, interesting. My, my first time watching the Lionesses last night. I know you had your, uh, your lucky final ticket. and well, I wasn't lucky you bought it well in advance as far as I'm aware. But um but yeah, uh yeah, interesting I guess atmosphere. And I'm not sure how much I feel about these kind of like showpiece, glorified, friendly sort of finals, but not really that competitive kind of matches. Um you know I know that this this game for England women, I guess and Brazil women had a had a secondary purpose being kind of a World Cup warm up um but 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 yeah i don't i I don't know the community shield or did i say charity shield at the top that is showing my age i think isn't it i mean and you're considerably older than than me um but yeah i i I don't know how i feel about about them some they feel like they feel like an in-betweeny match and i don't like that i'd rather it either was a friendly or or kind of kind of wasn't really
1: yeah i think it's um having a trophy feels a bit like much for it doesn't it like but then i suppose if it wasn't there wasn't a trophy would they take it as seriously it probably would pretty much just be a friendly then wouldn't it so a lot of the narrative
0: um, this morning feels like oh you know winning trophies becomes a habit and i'm like yeah but like how much are they really up for it it'd be really interesting to get 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 a, a, a professional footballer to kind of actually say without all of the you know usual media trained guff like how motivated to win this trophy are you and how did it, and equally for brazil yesterday losing how did it feel when you lost how gutted were you i kind of feel like probably not that much but equally i guess like thinking about um like the actual pre-season now and like you know arsenal host what the emirates cup there's a trophy for that right it's like sure nah. no one cares about that
1: but they probably have to do the presentation just to appease the
0: the sponsors yeah that
1: feels like more like a sponsors thing yeah like and even the community shield like are you are you bothered really are you you that like bothered i mean back in the day back in the classic arsenal united days where every charity shield basically was arsenal v man united because one of them had won the league or the cup or come second or whatever um it, it used to become a bit of a trend that if you won it, you didn't win the league that year. So oh, really? I was more than happy not to not to win it. Yeah, there was a bit of bad juju on it. So. Do you think it should be counted as like a trophy, and manager as one? Well? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And Jose, Jose Mourinho got rightly ridiculed in the season when he won the League Cup and Europa League as United manager because it also won the Community Shield that season and, and famously after winning the Europa League he he was running around holding right, up three doing, fingers because doing yeah. he'd, he'd won three and he said it in the press conference and he got all the players to be got to go when they were lifting the Europa League trophy to be holding up the three fingers uh, as though <laughs> that was like their third trophy of the season just like yeah I mean absolutely not the only reason they were in the Community Shield is because Van Gaal, who they sacked, won the FA Cup the season before, so it had little like nothing to do with Mourinho whatsoever. And and even if it had had to do with Mourinho, it's not a trophy like you say; it's a friendly. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a part of me half hoped
0: yesterday when Brazil got a, like a ninety-third minute equaliser that that they were going to share it, but I guess that's again that's just.
1: Oh that. never, I never want to see that. No. But uh, the community still the
0: charity shield used to be shared back in back in the day, didn't it?
1: um i think they would they did share it but that's because they didn't really have tiebreakers did they back in the day and they didn't want to play another like if the fa cup final if it was a draw they'd replay the fa cup final. yeah true true but they weren't there as well which is crazy they weren't going to replay the charity shield at the start of the season so no no
0: yeah i mean
1: sharing trophies trophies for friendlies and third place playoffs all in the bin
0: We've, uh, I think we've had this conversation before, but definitely not on the pod. But what, was it was it was it the Olympics or the Paralympics where high jumpers shared a gold a few oh, years ago? Yeah. yeah, that's not very you, is it?
1: But you could no. Well, it's un- is, again, it's unacceptable. You can't have. What's the point of the Olympics at that point? Like you can't have two winners. No. Yeah. It it feels wrong. It feels absolutely wrong. But then
0: everyone said it was not. so nice and how wonderful it is so no no it's not not having it not having it well fair enough yeah i mean i guess i guess it's not really like elite mentality is it i I guess but i suppose i guess in in for football now you know you can just instead of having the 30 minutes extra time which no one wants just go straight to penalties which is what happened last night which was i guess yeah but you we've uh, we've, we're
1: we're becoming our own like cliche at this point because i'm sure we've been around this 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 loop so many times i i'm not I, I don't like penalties and so, and I don't like extra time, but going straight to penalties is not a solution to extra time for me. Like that is even worse, arguably, than what for me at least than what we have I understand it appeals to the viewer and stuff and it's more exciting but, but that is, just, that, 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 that's that got more to do with, with your personal distaste of
0: penalties or a penalty shootout not
1: penalties I guess but yeah, yeah exactly and I, I just think it's a, it's a it's a yeah it's an exciting way but it's, it feels a very unfair way to end a football match to to decide to decide a winner so and it's not like there aren't other options we just haven't tried them so yeah like i'd be i'd, I'd i would say i'd be fine with shortening extra time and then trying a different tiebreaker afterwards if but i guess in a glorified friendly you don't need extra time at all no no in friendly's fine yeah yeah yeah
0: anyway i mean i'm sure we could we could do a whole new podcast and you couldn't we, on on alternatives to penalty shootouts and even even adjusting the penalty shootout i don't know what if, if you were a fan of, of the abba format when it when it, when it was around it seems to be um I mean, I liked it because of the acronym and what it made me think about a certain Swedish pop group, but um, but yeah, that seems again a,
1: more fair, I guess, in
0: in some respects. But yeah, equally, I didn't, I I
1: didn't like... mind it. I don't know why it got binned after the trial. I don't I, I don't. I can't. Is it was it because it was like complicated and like people didn't understand it, or I don't know. I mean that says a lot about football fans,
0: doesn't it? I guess. But um, anyway, we digress. Let's uh, let's try and let's try and move on with our with our game week 30 preview. As always, we'll run down the game week fixtures and we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points. Uh, we have some new players on the radar and we will be swimming against the tides, which we haven't done uh, it, or we haven't done that often in the last few game weeks. And um, we'll finish as we always do with Captain C and a little game we like to call. Who the heck is stat? Let's start then by running down those all-important Game Week 30 fixtures. Your FPL deadline is Saturday the 8th of April at 11 o'clock because there's a big game in the case extended family with Andy's Man United hosting uh, Andy's dad's Everton, I believe. Yeah, Andy's nodding the way at me. Uh, Then we've got a host of three o'clock kickoffs, uh, which feels a little bit retro. Uh, They start with Aston Villa playing Nottingham Forest, Brentford playing Newcastle, Fulham
1: playing uh, West Ham, Leicester playing Bournemouth, Andy. Uh, Continuing the three o'clock, you've got Spurs versus Brighton and Wolves versus Chelsea. So a nice little feast there on a Saturday afternoon, which obviously no one in the UK can watch. Uh, Saturday tea time, though, we can and that's Southampton versus Manchester City. And then a very, very classic Premier League weekend because two games on Sunday, the Super Sunday, Leeds versus Crystal Palace and Liverpool Versus Arsenal.
0: Just thought like the six, the six three o'clocks being a a, a big deal, I guess, for the Premier League. It's not going to be in the AFL, is there? Because the EFL's on Good Friday and and Easter Monday. I don't know why the Premier League don't do that. I feel like that would be, I guess, because the Champions League. This. Yeah. Year. And, yeah. Probably because of Champions yeah, League and stuff. Yeah. There we go. Answering my own question, but yeah, it feels a shame when what what you know, if we were not not drink responsibly, but if you were doing the soccer Saturday drinking game, six Premier League, uh, six Premier League matches, he's great, but then there's no EFL and it's just like, oh, that's disappointing. Never mind, um, up the use, away, at Stevenage today, we desperately, desperately need need three points. Um, let's catch us up, Andy, then, with some Premier League news and some FPL news, um, and what it could mean for FPL assets and FPL teams. We've got two more managerial sackings, and one of those has been replaced, uh, albeit on, a, on, a, on an interim basis. Uh, Brendan Rodgers leaving Leicester, obviously Leicester haven't had the greatest season but I think we were discussing off air that it feels a bit strange to sack uh, Brendan Rodgers, a guy that has done such a great job I think at, at Leicester and um, and yeah, yeah, has dealt with a severe lack of investment um, so no wonder they're possibly going backwards a little bit. And then obviously Graham Potter, relieved of his duties at Chelsea, having not had that long in charge and definitely not been able to really implement his his wider philosophy on the team. He has since been replaced on an interim basis by Frank Lampard yet again, who is um, not a manager that either of us particularly rate. Um, Andy, I guess there are going to be... FPL managers with plenty, or maybe plenty is a bit over the top, but 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 you know some FPL assets from both Leicester and Chelsea and what it could mean for them. I know that James Madison was fairly popular ahead of some of Leicester's recent double game weeks. Harvey Barnes perhaps as a differential was as a player that I've got in 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 my team. It's going to be very difficult to know exactly what impact that's going to have on on, on them in, in the short to medium term. Perhaps we know a little bit more about um, about Chelsea. Obviously, with, with, with Potter leaving and Lampard coming in, and um, we've seen Lampard manage Chelsea before, um, but managers will have some Chelsea defensive assets. Possibly they took a flyer on someone like a Kai Haberts, Um But I know that the goalkeeper is particularly well-owned at the minute and was not necessarily one of Lampard's um, favourite pupils when he was at Chelsea last time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we don't know. We've got to wait and see what <clears throat> what he makes of him now. But the, I think two key things on 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 Chelsea and, and the significance on FPL here for uh, Potter being sacked and Lampard coming in is is yeah, uh, we can probably expect Mason Mount to come in from the cold, uh, and we can also expect uh, there to, to be potential toss up for Ke- between Kepper and Mendy. Um, I think it was under Lampard in the January when. Um, Chelsea bought Mendy uh, because Keppa was not having a great season, and um, Lampard dropped him. And that, so, what does that mean now that Lampard's back in? I mean, Keppa's playing much better, but uh, you know, managers have their favourites, right? So um, that will be you know, particularly as, as you say, he's in a lot of teams, so it'd be yeah, an interesting one to 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 keep an eye on there. I think at,
0: at, at um at Everton Lampard did sometimes play three at the back with, with with wing backs. I'm not sure if he necessarily played that way in his last spell at, at Chelsea, but I guess we can possibly we're not going to see a a massive change of system, I guess, at Chelsea. So, you know, we could still see Rhys James and Ben Chilwell being reasonable FPL assets. I know Wesley Fofana is is a cheap defender, Um, but I guess it's going to be interesting to see what Chelsea's underlying numbers do. And I guess at the other end of the pitch, it's a bit of a question mark on whether he can get some of their forwards firing. I mean, I don't think we were really scratching our head about whether to include Kai Havertz on our radar this week, because I don't think either of us particularly rate him at the minute. I know we've, We've spoken highly of his style before, but I don't think from an FPL point of view we're, we're particularly big fans. Um, but he does have pretty good underlying numbers, at least under Graham Potter. Um, but the fact that you know he, I, it, it feels like a, a big job to get for, for Frank Lampard to almost make him into a goal scorer, and it probably isn't something that that's really in Lampard's skill set. So... I guess it's hard to know exactly what sort of change we might see in terms of the system and their underlying numbers and and how Chelsea are going to perform on the pitch for these last nine games.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Lots of lots of question marks. You've said it all, I think. Really, yeah.
0: There we go. Um, we do have the return of European football,
1: Andy, this this game
0: week uh, as as well, or, or yes, after this game week and, and ahead of game week 31. Chelsea uh, away to Real Madrid, Man City uh, hosting. Um, By Munich in the Champions League, then obviously Andy's Man United at home to Sevilla this game week, and West Ham also playing uh, playing in Belgium in the Europa Conference League. Um, I guess we can kind of ignore West Ham, Andy. I know we put their um, their defensive assets um, as a as a loose radar pick for for double game week, and uh, absurdly ended up kind of working because three of their centre backs got attacking returns. Um, but I guess more sort of front of mind for. For Chelsea, City and, and United assets. Um, I guess there is going to be this question mark of rotation, it's maybe a little bit different for Chelsea uh, in the sort of longer term? They've got a, they don't have a fixture at all in game week 32, whereas United and City also have FA Cup semi-finals on the horizon pretty much every midweek um from now until the end of the season for United and City is potentially taken up European competition sort of progression dependent. With fixtures, um, so there is going to be plenty of rotation, but although Pep Roulette has become um, a bit of an FPL cliche, when he has his favourite players, he likes them. And then equally from Eric Ten Hag, we haven't seen loads and loads of rotation this season, albeit sometimes his hand has been forced by by injuries. And I know you're getting a lot of your sort of forward attacking players back fit again. Um, are we going to start to see rotation? And is that, does will that impact players like and we'll come on to him, Erling Haaland and maybe Marcus Rashford, um, in the sort of short to short, short, medium term.
1: Yeah, it's I think more likely potentially for United. Um, it's a tri- They've been in a tricky situation, suspension and injury-wise, so they're going to just look to play the best team they can, regardless of whatever the fixture is, I think. And obviously they're in a bit more of a race for the top four, so I think they need to take every game seriously. And Ten Hag has had, a, a, albeit not very many, he has had opportunities to rotate, um other stages in the season and and hasn't has has kind of played his best team more often when when he can so I think in the league you're going to see the best eleven available for United City have a little bit more flexibility in that they have a bit more squad depth right obviously they are still in a race for the title but um, I mean we have no knowledge of this for certain but you've got to think Pep wants that Champions League right so uh, we've seen it in past years albeit with City further in the lead where, where um players have been rotated in the in the league. I suppose maybe there's less chance of that this year. Like Pep Pep absolutely does want to kind of win the win the league, of course. But I think with someone like Julian out I'm surprised Alvarez hasn't had more minutes up front, frankly. I really don't I mean there's an argument there are some pundits and even City fans out there who think that City play better when Alvarez is is through the middle. Um obviously ha- Haaland scores tons of goals so you're not dropping Haaland but the general team performance is arguably better uh, so uh, p- I, but ultimately the point there is it's not really a, that much actually of a loss to sp- which sounds ridiculous because the number of goals Haaland scores but um, Alvarez is, is a great striker I mean he would almost start in most other teams in the league at this point so it's it's a bit you know unfair for him that he's on the bench at City but um, yeah I suppose maybe that could mean a bit of bit of rotation and I guess they've got like the Mahrez and Mares is of the world and obviously like Foden and and whatever to come back. So yeah, in those attacking and central midfield positions, there's often a lot of chop and change, isn't there?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it will be interesting to see how that how that plays out, because because yeah, as you say, um City are in a proper title race and have ground to make up, frankly. And I guess that that, that victory against Arsenal is as key in some respects as as their two legs against Bayern by Munich, but they do have some Uh, on paper easier Premier League games um, in in between that and obviously an FA Cup semi-final against uh, against the Championship side as well so yeah I'm sure we will see some rotations it's just going to be very difficult to to predict exactly when which does bring us nicely to our radar Andy and this may well be the first time we're ever going to have a flagged player on the centre of our radar but when it's Erling Haaland I think all of the rule books
1: go out of the window Yeah I mean we've already probably uh, had a lot of tangents in this episode so maybe we just don't need to say too much here like we would usually avoid high owned players on the radar anywhere particularly in the centre but we imagine that there's a lot of active teams that have transferred Harland out given his injury and lack of fixtures for City compared to other teams in recent game weeks Um, so uh, he's on the centre because like look he's a fantastic option this week and if he's not in your team you've got to be thinking about getting him back in He's, he's scored tons of goals he's probably the best player in the league when he's on form um, we're unsure about his minutes. We we're recording before the Pep Guardiola press conference, so we're not 100% sure on his state. But he's been training. We at least been be, been pictured training since early in the week. Um, so. There's a there's a good chance he play he features in some way and, and you would imagine that even if he doesn't start um, it wouldn't be ideal for City to allow him going into that buying game completely cold with no minutes under his under his belt so it looks like a likely this week for him is is a, a start and play sixty or come on for the final thirty at the at the least um, and if that's the case you know he's playing against a Southampton team who've conceded tons so um, fill your boots.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's that for me is, is is very much the key point. Um despite the you know what we've just said about potential rotation, I think given his injury, I well I definitely wouldn't want him going into a Bayern Munich game completely cold with no minute. And I think I would rather see, and maybe this is partly what I want as much as what I think will happen. But I think if I was Pep, I'd probably rather see him play 60 and come off rather than come on for 30 um, ahead, of, ahead of ahead of Bayern Munich. And, and yeah, because Southampton have improved a bit. Defensively, under their new manager, I think you know they were always sort of bottom, bottom three really for for XG conceded, which they're not at the minute. They're kind of a, a bit more mid table, but I think again, again against City, how good you have been, or how improved you have been defensively, again kind of goes out out the window, particularly when Erling Haaland uh, is, is about. So yeah, I think um, fill your boots is is the appropriate um, is the appropriate cliche. Uh, for, the, for him, and yeah, as you say, weird to have such a high owned player in the center of our, of our radar. But I think we're probably taking a bit of a flyer that he's not as high owned among active managers and possibly even among our listeners. So I think it is worth reinforcing uh, that he is worthy of his place in the center of our radar. Um, moving outwards to the mid range, Andy, Ollie Watkins is going to get another mention. Um, feel like he kind of probably needs to be in teams now, and what is the reason why perhaps we haven't taken him off because he should be? Is it down to the fact that he is historically a little bit streaky? Because I think in the back of my head, you know, I own him, sure, and that's been a lot to do with Aston Villa's fixtures and and, and some of the doubles that they've had. But there is, I'm I'm kind of waiting for his run to end, and is that just indicative of of what how we see Ollie Watkins as a
1: player? Yeah, probably he he hasn't. In the Premier League, put like a, a a long or medium term consistent run together. He's had small peaks and troughs, so um, I could understand why he'd be thinking like that. But I think the reason he's still on the radar is because ultimately he's only still like about seventeen percent owned. So that's it's... lower
0: than I thought it would be. Again, I guess probably higher among active managers or way higher among active managers. But yeah, that is lower than I thought it would be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but I think another thing that's kept him on there as well as um, that fact is ultimately just that his numbers are not only he's been in and around some of the best numbers for a few weeks now which when added to the fact he's had good fixtures coming up is obviously only a good thing but he's actually now top over the last six matches so Villa have been very creative they're getting a lot of plaudits under Emery Um, and 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 more more than just lots of plaudits I think there was people skeptical of their He's a generally fairly defensive manager, and they've been quite attacking and creating lots of XG, and that is played out in Ollie Watkins' numbers, who is now top for XG, non-penalty XG, and expected goal involvement, so including assist in his game as well, in the last six matches, which is like a fantastic thing for Watkins owners. I mean, he's top on basically every possible metric there. And it looks like he may well be on penalties, which he hasn't always been in his time at, at Villa. I mean, obviously, we don't know for definite, but he took the one penalty that they've had so far. Um, so that's a good sign. And he's play, been playing through the middle consistently, which again, under Gerard and even previously um, for for Watkins, uh, it, he, he'd kind of... Um, uh, played in different positions played on the left sometimes played in a two up front perhaps where he was maybe a little bit more withdrawn whereas he is the one kind of out and out forward um in this in this setup at the moment so um, and adding to the fact he's got Nottingham Forest at home this game week yeah um all, all looking good I mean if, if if he had slightly better fixtures in the medium term he could be a strong case for the centre of the radar, um, but certainly worthy of his place here in the mid-range.
0: Perhaps this is a slightly different source because I know we, we we tend to use Opta when it comes to, to XG, but um, I'm just looking at, I don't know who the official FPL website use now, but they've added XG, haven't they? I like this. Ollie Watkins has 11 goals this season. Guess what his XG is? 11.1. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Um so, yeah, I think that's, yeah, as Andy said, you know, he, he has he has always been a little bit streaky, obviously, 11 goals, but he's got the vast majority of those in the last sort of eight or nine game weeks um, this season. And that does equal what he got last season as well. So, yeah, he's definitely on a bit of a hot streak. And it does feel like we're kind of waiting for it to end. And, and as Andy says, fixtures sort of in the medium term aren't brilliant, but I think there's no reason to be, um, to uh, almost kind of be getting off him at the minute, especially given the fact that Probably for the first time in his Premier League career, his underlying numbers are as are, you know, are that good. Um, you know, he's always when he's been on the streaks, they've always been you know, decent, but he's often running a bit hot. But but he seems to be uh, seems to be really really hitting it at the minute. Um, we've spoken about City going forward, Andy. What about City defensively? I think there is a, a strong case for. Uh, including a Man City uh, player in your uh, in your team going forward, or Man City defender rather in your team going forward. I guess they've got a, a decent ish run of fixtures, particularly if you are going to be playing the free hit chip in game week 32 when they are when they're blanking. Um, difficult to know exactly who the best of the bunch is, but I guess it does feel a bit like City's defensive rotation isn't as um, As frequent as perhaps it might have been in in, in seasons gone by, and if you can find a five million asset like a Nathan Ake, left-footed, can play multiple positions, he seems to me to be the standout player, even if he perhaps isn't getting the plaudits that say a John Stones is getting.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and also ultimately his price in FPL as well, right? That that makes a big difference. But um, I think, yeah, like you said, the, there's been a bit of uncertainty over the City defence um, this season, more so than in other years, because of injuries and suspensions and form of certain players, frankly. There's been a lot of chopping and changing. But it seems, at least at the moment, that they're now, particularly now Diaz is back from injury. There's a fairly kind of seemingly like coming to the fore, like first... Choice back four, which would be Ake, Akanji, Diaz, and Stones. Um, arguably Walker, I don't know what his sort of fitness status is, but maybe he'd be in with a shout. But, um, and maybe Rico Lewis at some point. But Stones has been because he sort of did well when he came in the team. But Stones has been getting a lot of plaudits doing that, if you like, Rico Lewis or Walker role of stepping into midfield from right back, um, this season. So I think that does seem to be the first choice back four at the moment. Um, that's a positive, I guess. A downside to that is, therefore, are they the ones who you want fit 100% starting for the Bayern Munich games? And, and yes, quite possibly. But you know, that's like almost any time with a Pep Guardiola team, there could be there could be Pep roulette, right? So if we're going to just take that on the face value of that's the first choice back four, um, yeah, Ake's Ake's um, along with Akanji are the, are the cheaper of those. Uh, four options. They're both at five mil. And, and of course, Ake playing at left back. He has had a couple of goals this season. He does get forward. Um, he's, um, yeah, uh, he, he's got as much clean sheet potential, obviously, as all the rest of them, um, which is the best in the league. They've got the, the best defensive numbers, the lowest expected goals conceded in the last six matches. And they've got a, one, one of the best runs, particularly like you say, if you take the fact of that they're blank in 32 out of the equation, between now and the end of the season, I mean, if if I would if I mean I, I can read you the run: Southampton, Leicester, Arsenal, Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, Brentford. So you could argue if uh, that's ignoring the blank game week, right? You could argue that the kind of the Arsenal game there is the only one really of of kind of tricky teams left this season. And in fact, I think Arsenal and I guess Brentford on the final day of the season are the only teams in the top half of the table that City have left to play. So um, Chelsea's not in the top half. I think I think they've slipped to eleventh, have they? Really? Well, that's not. Well, if they're not eleventh, they're tenth. So, right. I mean, so I mean, I think is, the point yeah. is, City yeah, City would back themselves at home against Chelsea at the moment, right? So, um, yeah, I think good fixtures, very good chances therefore of of some clean sheets for City, and and it's just, over the course of Pep's reign, it, it's always been at any point in a season, frankly, hasn't it? Like, see if you can find yourself the best way into City's defence at some point during the season, hasn't it? And the default's always been Cancelo. But without him, um, yeah, there's been less ownership, frankly, this season. So so Ake's looking like the best shout, perhaps, we think, at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think... Um... Having made the Luke Shaw transfer last week, depending on what his 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 sort of injury status is, again a- ahead of hearing from Eric Ten Hag later, I think he could you know Ake could be a really really easy straight swap and and, and yeah, irrespective of that, um, I think he could be could be a good player to get on. I mean, I'm I'm going to mention Manuel Kanji here as well because I know that I've mentioned him a few times on the pod on the radar this this year. Also five million. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I feel like Ake's ahead of him. Now, maybe it's a bit the eye test, I've seen that Kanji make a few dodgy sort of defensive decisions um, when I've been watching a bit more of City recently and Ake just seems a bit more steady but also I think I think it is that key can play left back and centre back and I think that, that that sort of almost helps him shore up his minutes whereas you know, Kanji did go on, on, on a great run of starting the full 90 in every Premier League game and then got dropped for one and just like well if that is the next game week when you make the transfer you're going to feel Pretty annoyed about it. So yeah, Ake just feels a little bit a little bit safer at the minute, especially after getting rid of Cancello on loan. Uh let's move outwards on the radar, Andy, to the fringe. Um Gabriel Jesus on his way, well, is back now in in Arsenal team, had his first start uh since before the World Cup. Um for for Arsenal against Leeds, came back with 59 minutes and two goals. Um, they still were only his sixth and seventh goals of the season. It feels like he was a very, very popular player um, earlier in the year, but wasn't majorly um, prolific in front of goal. I guess the question mark Andy is that if he can become prolific in front of goal again, uh, it's difficult to know. Um, well, it would be interesting to try and find a way to get someone like him into your team. And I guess he could be a bit of a. You know, his overall ownership is going to be high, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be heavily dominated by by, by inactive players now, zombie teams, as, as we call them. Could be a bit of an interesting differential for the last last uh, last leg of the season um, if he can stay fit and find his shooting boots.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a point where he was up at 60, 70 odd percent ownership, wasn't there? Um, earlier in the season, and he is down at twenty six point three at the moment. So there has bit so so. There's some element of differentialness there when you consider that a, number, a fair chunk of those might well be zombie teams.
0: You've got well. to assume that almost all of them are. Surely, if you haven't got
1: rid of him and he's been out since the World Cup, then you're not playing the game. Sure, surely. Well, there may be some who who brought him back in again recently, right. but yeah, the large large majority, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So so um, yeah. I mean absolutely that that is a that is an upside to getting him in now. I mean I think you could probably argue there's other forwards with with you know as much or better upside but then um obviously their price tag comes comes with that doesn't it? I think he's only 8 million. Jesus. Um and I wouldn't see Liverpool away as you know as scary a fixture as it might sound on paper. I mean plenty of teams have scored goals against that Liverpool defense this season and so you could see Arsenal doing so for for, for sure completely yeah so um i mean
0: obviously... Ars- i guess arsenal's run in the next five on paper perhaps as you say isn't isn't brilliant they face they've got liverpool city chelsea and newcastle in their next uh five if you exclude um 32 which you know many players will be will be free hitting in obviously that's you know if you're not free hitting that southampton fixture in 32 is great and if you are free hitting then you might well be bringing plenty of arsenal players in i guess maybe where that possibly counts against him is is, yet those fixtures and is he in your top three Arsenal assets if you are going to have a triple triple Arsenal I mean I'm starting to think that there is a case case for him in there and as you say those games although yeah on paper they're difficult I guess it matters less for a forward that could in theory score against against anyone I don't think I'd be necessarily investing in Arsenal defenders given that run but nothing wrong with an Arsenal forward is there
1: no, I think it, more of a problem for him is the fact that he's is other forwards in the game right? I mean we yeah. have two forwards ahead of him on the radar ourselves this week. Yeah. Um so it's it's possibly less about his Arsenal teammates he's competing with but just those forward slots. More more generally. Have, having said that, though, yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on the structure of your team. I can see a lot of people moving off Tony this week, and there might be people who can't afford the Tony to Haaland move, depending on the cash you've got. So Tony to Jesus is 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 not the worst shout ever, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it would be, yeah, I, yeah. It almost feels interesting to comment to kind of do a, a strikers ranking. Obviously, the other one we haven't mentioned is Harry Kane because Harry Kane doesn't need to be on our radar at this point. But but yeah, there does seem to be having bemoaned a, a dearth of forwards in FPL for so long. It's it's kind of nice to be having so many so many available. But yeah, it does it does make um, some of those decisions uh, kind of difficult and and, and very interesting. Um, also on the fringe of our radar, Andy is a player that. Uh, he was, again, very, very highly owned earlier in the season, similar to Gabriel Jesus, but has had a lot of sales and subsequently has had a few price drops too. Uh, Andreas Pereira at £4.3 million, giving Fulham's fixtures, not, I mean, it feels like a, a really interesting move. I don't think he's necessarily on as many set pieces as perhaps he was. Um, I think Williams come in and taken corners and, and, and some free kicks. Uh, off him but he's still creating a lot of chances and still getting good underlying numbers i guess maybe the hesitation is will he be doing that without Alexander mitrovic as a focal point given he's just got himself an eight match ban i yeah i i don't know where i stand on that but i guess at 4.3 million if you like fulham's fixtures and you need an enabler probably aren't that many better in the midfield position or there
1: no i think it's a good i think it's a good point the the concern about Mitro. um but look, reflection mean, place on the
0: fringe, I guess.
1: Yeah, Fulham have the does Fulham have the, the second best run of any team between now and the double game week that's been announced for game week thirty four, um, and particularly that I mean it is a tricky double for them. They have City and Liverpool, but up, up until that point they have West Ham, Everton, Leeds, Villa as their next four matches, including playing in the blank. If you are someone who hasn't got um a free hit, so for, like you say he and add to that besides his price. Only two players in the league have got more assists than him this season, like that Saka and De Bruyne. So it's he in and of himself. He's he is a very good creative player. And Never mind the fact he's four point three million and he's playing in a team that are quite creative and have a good fixture run. So I think there's there's definite upsides there. I suppose one might argue that like Matoma and March aren't much more expensive and, and yeah. obviously have cons- arguably you know very Good upside compared to him, uh, arguably a higher ceiling. So, um, but but that extra mil or so for many, could well be the difference between being able to reach a Haaland or a Kane or a Salah or whatever. So um, the, the, his price definitely comes into a factor into why he's a he's a good potential asset here.
0: Yeah, I could see players even going for, as you say, an yeah, Andreas Pereira and the Brighton fielder and then ending up somehow, I guess, with Kane, Haaland and Salah, if you wanted. I guess that could be, could be one route. And then, yeah, you can kind of have two more um, mid-range midfielders and, and and the mid-range forwards. So, so yeah, definitely definitely worth worth mentioning. I, I know that you know, I think he, sc- he scored in the last game week as well, Pereira. So yeah, you know, he's, he's he's done okay in front of goal this uh, this season too so so yeah i think um given his price and fulham's fixtures i think he's definitely worth a mention but it will just be interesting to to monitor fulham um and how they set up without without mitrovic who is obviously such an important player for them um talk jack grealish to me andy i think he we're, we're putting him on the fringe um, I think you're a little bit less convinced about him, perhaps than 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 I am, having seen um you know seen a few more City games recently. I mean, I think on the eye he looks very very good. It's just whether that can convert into FPL points and and ultimately goals and assists. He's never been the most prolific goal scorer. Um, it is getting more XA than XG at the minute, but does have City's third best XGI since the restart behind just Haaland and De Bruyne. Starting a lot of games seems to be very, very popular among Pep Guardiola at the minute, and obviously with Foden's appendix uh, issue, um, is you know, it, it, it is likely to continue to start games, and I, I just kind of think that he is not undroppable because there's going to be City rotation, but he does seem at the minute ahead of Foden and Mares. And if Foden was to come back in, I feel like Mares might be the one that, that that might be making way, given Grudish's form. But I guess there's still that doubt about whether he can convert it into FPL points, all of this looking good on the eye.
1: Well, he has done so recently, obviously. Did he get a couple of assists and a goal against Liverpool? I think it was. And um yeah, he's. I think I agree with you. I think he's a starter at the moment. He's in. He's in Pep's good books. He's been playing well. I, you know, do feel. What's the word? Like hesitant about picking him because of his up and down, uh, output generally in his time at City. Um, but nevertheless, I, I would be. I could see myself taking a punt on him at some point. I mean, six point nine million, and he's a starting City forward. Like very, like yeah, very likely nice. compared to a lot of the others. Yeah, and like you say, the underlying numbers are starting to look a bit better for him now. So, given that he's one of the more likely starters, which is always hard to pick in a Pep team, and he's only 6.9 million, so he's he's likely to be involved in goals if they score them. And, as we've said for Haaland and Ake, City have a very good run between now and the end of the season. I mean, I like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it as a pick at all. Like There's going to become a point where, looking at Arsenal's fixtures and looking at City's fixtures, like... And you've got say Martinelli or Saka. Like, is Grealish a worse shout than one of them? I mean, I don't necessarily think he is. So, I could, I could. For, for me, he's not my my number one um, target right at the moment. Hence, I guess why, like you say, he's on the fringe. But he's on the fringe because he's starting to be, yeah, coming to the thinking. I think I, I could see. I, I've had Foden in my team a number of times over the years, right? And because uh, you know, City have had good fixtures, and he's a very creative player, and you want that other. Um, opportunity of, of sucking up their points I suppose City's points and I think for me at the moment Grealish would be my next would be my next man off the off the rink in terms of uh, where I'd look I mean if you're assuming Holland and De Bruyne are your first two nailed on um, assurances for points yeah 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 absolutely
0: uh, anyone else Andy um, I'm gonna I put a quick shout in for Lisandro Martinez um, United's underlying defensive numbers have been have been pretty bad, but as you are very keen to point out to me, Casemiro hasn't played that many Premier League games because of multiple suspensions that he's had. So I think there's Andre Martinez at 4.5 million. Uh, if C- C- Casemiro can, can do that excellent job of shielding United's defence, I think he could be an interesting sort of differential um, for a team that have... Plenty of fixtures between now and the end of the season, and, and 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 you know, not too many of them are overly difficult either. Um, especially if Luke Shaw uh, is out for for longer than perhaps we suspect, then then yeah, I think um, Martinez could be a, a pretty affordable way into United's defense. Um, I mean, I feel sorry for Evan Ferguson now at this point, Andy, because he's never on the radar, but he always gets a mention in this part of of the pod um, but I guess we can't put him on the radar because there isn't such an expected minutes risk but when he plays this kid is unreal
1: well I mean there's three forwards ahead of him again as we said about Jesus there is now three forwards ahead of, ahead of um, Ferguson even on this radar right so that's why he can't really make his way on and when you add it into the fact that you've got Tottenham and Chelsea away in the next two game weeks Never mind the fact we don't even know if he'll start either of them. It, that that does make it tricky. Nonetheless, he seems to be starting roughly every other game, and when he and even when he comes on, he's a threat. And actually, an interesting stat I saw the other day was that only Harland has a better minutes per goal involvement than Evan Ferguson in the league this season. Now, I mean, it's not a fair comparison. In the I think I think Evan Ferguson's got six goal involvements or something like that, and and has got like thirty something, but um. I mean the facts are the facts right you can only do what you can do in the time you've got on the pitch and um yeah he's he's a proper he seems like a proper center forward doesn't he and um so if he as and when I mean next season his pricing is going to be interesting because I could see him being a more regular starter perhaps next year and but but look I guess the reason he's on the anyone else here let's stop talking about the future is that Brighton have are have an all right run coming up they have a double in 34 they are one of the teams doubling in 34 okay if if they're the next three they have Tottenham Chelsea blank so we're not saying get him in now but if you're going to be free hitting then that doesn't matter right so much and if you again it's another like the Pereira mold it can it can free up money in your in your team if you want to say Harland and Kane and then and Salah so um yeah, I I mean that, that he just looks so there. good
0: as well though, doesn't he? He just looks so good. I, I yeah. It's hard I, I, there's so little reason for me to get excited about him. Yeah, he's not even not even English, but he just looks so good. And yeah, he's um he, he looks very polished at 18 years old and I think that's, that's yeah that's, it says everything you need to know about him but yeah I'm not quite sure about him as an FPL asset just yet but as you say his pricing next season if he's still at Brighton it could be really really interesting let's leave it there Andy let's take a quick break and then when, when we return we will be swimming against the tide
1: here at the FPL lounge we are keen to hear from you You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore Lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.
0: Welcome back then. So Andy, this could be the easiest swimming against the Tides ever. Uh, We've already mentioned this player on the radar. He is in the centre of our radar and it's Erling Haaland Haaland is the third most transferred out. Um, I mean, I don't expect our listeners are this silly, uh, ultimately, to not have been paying any attention, but just in case they haven't been paying loads and loads of attention to FPL uh, yeah Haaland is flagged he has the, the yellow flag which is what the the, the least severe one um, but pictured in training and it just feels like a bit of even if you haven't been paying any attention to FPL why haven't you already got rid of him if you're going to get rid of him I guess is kind of my question and you know, we're saying bring him in bring him back if you've got rid of him but even if you had got rid of even if you hadn't got rid of him this game week against Southampton Flag aside, doesn't feel like the time. He's been flagged for a couple of weeks, hasn't he?
1: Well, exactly, yeah. So it just makes zero sense. I can only imagine it's people rage transferring him out when he didn't start last week, last game week, um, which still doesn't justify it, obviously. But I'm just trying to think of why people would be doing this. we we should always look to find time to slim down the FPL round because we do wobble on a little bit too much. And ultimately, what can you say here? Why are you getting rid of him? If you've seen any of the news, he's likely to be playing this game week and possibly even starting. Um, Hence, he's in the centre of our radar. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Like the easiest swimming... I think we've maybe said this a few times, but genuinely, I think this is the easiest swimming against the tide ever. Well, Well, let's
0: let's leave it there. Let's leave it there and let's move on to captaincy and uh, Erling Haaland, Andy, at Southampton. I mean, I guess in terms of putting the armband on him, there is an expected minutes risk, and it will be really interesting to hear what Pep Guardiola says in his press conference. Even though Pep gives so little away, um, but you can sometimes deduce something from the from the language and the and and, and exactly the words that he does use um regarding kind of how confident he feels whether it's a wait and see or you know I'm expecting him to play or you know we've got training like you can always kind of get something. Southampton obviously on paper is, is a really good fixture for, for Haaland but is he worth captaining if we don't think he'll play the 90? I'm guessing you're going to come down firmly on the side of yes.
1: I think if we knew he was starting then yes definitely. Now we think he's very likely to get some minutes, but that could be the final 30 minutes off the bench, right? And that's the problem for me. Like That's almost worse in terms of captaincy, right? It's Not in terms mm-hmm. of ownership, because he could still return, I suppose, but you've got less confidence in it because it's only 30 minutes. So, uh, and if you've captained him, you could end up with a one pointer, right? So uh, that makes this uh, this decision very, very difficult because in any other scenario other than, obviously not in the squad uh, or or only getting those 30 minutes, I'm saying, yes, Captain Captain Harland, I think. But that unknown makes it tricky to cut to... Because, because you know, last week, if you've captained him, you're not happy, but the fact he's not in the squad is the best thing for yeah. that, right? Because yeah, yeah. then your vice is definitely coming in. Here...
0: We also got a game week leak as well, didn't we? Because it was 12.30 kickoff, which always helped. I mean, obviously, you've got to be on your phone and very on it at, like... You know, 12 20 of, whatever, yeah. or
1: no whatever but, it was 10 to 11 10 to yeah. 11
0: but 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 it, you know and if, if you are great you, you you heard about it in advance whereas yeah this week is the tea-time kickoff so you're not going to get that so it is it is a risk going in going into it and and yeah i agree anything less than kind of anything less than than 60 really i, I you probably don't want to be using your armband on him um not that you couldn't go off in 30 minutes and score twice but you you want more minutes on the field to maximise his potential returns, um, and I guess what doesn't necessarily help him this week is that there are other reasonable captaincy options. Mark, you know, we've got Marcus Rashford and Ollie Watkins both on here, both with home games against teams towards the bottom of the table. Um, I guess in Everton they're maybe not conceding as many chances as they were um, before Dyche came in, and Nottingham Forest have been have, had been better under Steve Cooper, but but are starting to, to not look as great all of a sudden again. Um, but are you really... I mean, Marcus Rashford maybe is a bit different, but are you really captaining Ollie Watkins over Erling Haaland
1: this week? I, I could see it happening. I genuinely could. I mean, I know we say this a lot of game weeks, then both of us just captained mm-hmm. Haaland. But if there's... I suppose what makes it difficult is that Pep, like you said, Pep is not going to tell us. So the uncertainty is going to make me go with Haaland just in case he starts, right? Yeah. If we get any inkling that Haaland can't start... I. I'm very concerned about United under without Casemiro, generally. And I do think it affects the attacking assets as much as the defensive ones because we just generally have less control of the game. Um, and as you said, Everton have been a little bit more secure, albeit I think they've conceded a lot like away. They've been, that security's been more so at home than away. But yeah. still, um, yeah, I don't know. We had a quick, you know, we're playing in the early kickoff and we had a Wednesday game where Everton haven't. So... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would, which would therefore, I guess, the point I'm making is it would it would probably lean me to toward, more towards Watkins as my second choice after after Harland. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, saying saying what I said about possibly improving Everton' defences, I mean, in their last six matches, third worst for XGC, um, Forest fourth worst. So actually, looking at that, I feel like you're almost just as good going for going for you know for either of those assets possibly against the you know. A starts risk in in Erling Haaland. So yeah, it could be an interesting game week for a uh, for for a differential captain, and I'm sure come 10 to uh, 10 to 11 on Saturday, Andy and I will both be texting each other and plumping for Erling Haaland as we always do. Um, any mention, Andy, for, for Arsenal assets? You know, we haven't been particularly impressed with with Liverpool defensively. Um, Saka and Martinelli could have a field day. You know, City did against Liverpool last game week.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, they're both have scored plenty of goals this season and assists and liverpool do look dodgy at the back so i don't think it's a it's a it's a terrible shout i mean more than just not a terrible shout to us i think it's probably there was points at the season where liverpool were um was one of the worst teams to expect goals conceded weren't they i think i've read somewhere that van dyke might be able to start this week i'm not right, 100% okay. sure on that keep an eye on the um uh, on on the on the press conferences, ah oh, yes, okay, so uh just just ha- has actually already happened right uh, during our recording here and uh, the quote says Virgil was completely normal back in training recovered from illness and would be able to fit our, f- face Arsenal so so maybe that makes a difference it, arguably yeah. his form hasn't been the best this season either but um, he's not great on their other the centre backs though isn't he yeah, say, so, yeah yeah
0: okay alright well let's uh, let's leave it there Andy and let's finish as we always do with a little game we like to call who the heck is stat each week and Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe and the other one of us has to guess who it is. Uh, if they guess it after the first clue, they get five points. After the second clue, they get four points and so on and so forth. And each time they hear a new clue, they get two minutes to stick or twist on their previous guests. So we don't reveal the answers to the end, so you can play along wherever you are listening to the FPL Lounge podcast. Uh, Andy got one point last week, so currently leads by 41 points to 27. And I think last time I, I got a five-pointer and I kind of really need another one to make it interesting, or at least a
1: three or a four, but I think that's
0: Possibly unlikely, but uh, yeah, what can we do?
1: I'm ready when you are. Okay, perfect. Well, let's crack on. Uh, Clue number one. Is this player's fourth season in FPL and they've already secured their best ever finish?
0: Mm, Okay. Uh, Fourth season, best ever finish. Um, I'm trying to think who that might be in terms of promotion. So you can probably rule out... All about Forrest and Brentford and possibly Fulham, although you never know with Fulham, do you? With the yo-yoing. Brighton. Four seasons. They might be on five now, mightn't they? Mm. Um, Leeds aren't on their fourth, are they? I think Leeds are on their Third. It's leaning me towards it being a signing then, in that case. Um, could it be a Brighton player? Who could it be from them? I guess it won't be a gross. It wouldn't be... Have we had March? Could it be March? McAllister? Definitely be on for his highest finish. I he's done four years. I don't think he went up with them, did he? So I wonder if that could be him. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with him, Andy, I think. Well, you've
1: got 30 seconds left. Who was that, March?
0: No, I don't think it is March because I think he got promoted with them and I think they've been in the league for longer but McAllister didn't get promoted with them so it must have been a signing. I think he... Four seasons maybe seems about right and probably is on for his highest ever finish. So, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, Alexis McAllister, please.
1: Okay, McAllister, it is clue number two. This player is the second best value player in the game. Who the heck is Stat?
0: Well, that's going to be hard to get off him, but I guess I better go through. So, uh, value that, that, that's done on their current price, isn't it? Yes, okay.
1: um just simply their total points divided by their their price, yeah,
0: yeah, so I wonder if um I wonder if our oh, and second second most valuable player in the game. So he's what five and five and a half. I guess you've got to look at defenders really at that point, haven't you um, uh, Because how many points has McAllister got? He must have gone over 100. Uh, There must be defenders that are over 100. So you'd think that there may be... Is Ben White, like, the most... Must be one of the most valuable in the game, you'd think. Um, I don't think there'd be any forwards, would there, that would be the most valuable in the game. Uh, Ben White is coming to mind. Would it be his fourth year? I guess he did he have a lead season in the in the Prem. I don't know if he did.
1: You've got 30 seconds. Oh,
0: really already. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna stick, I think. Just yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> stick, but yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure it will be a midfielder. And even if it is not, I feel like any of his Brighton teammates could could be ahead of him. But yeah, I will stick. Please.
1: Okay, your time is up. So yeah, you're I'll sticking. Stick. Yes, please. Uh, clue number three: This player is the second highest point scorer in his position, despite not being in the top ten owned.
0: Um. Okay, I don't think McAllister is the second highest scoring midfielder, is he? Because I mean he's been injured for a bit. And surely like Rashford and Saka and whatnot are by Odegaard or must be above him. So that does lead me back to Ben White. Could he be the second highest scoring I mean Trippy is the top, right? And I uh, I think when we looked recently, it was like Fabian Share and maybe even Saliba. But Ben White scored in the last game and he got an assist the game week before. So I wonder if he's crept up without anyone knowing. Four seasons, highest ever finish. Four seasons concerns me. Because he spent time in the Championship with Leeds. And I can't remember if he played for Leeds in the Prem. This is, it. I think, is this his first season? No, this is only, this is his second season with Arsenal, isn't it? Did he play two with Brighton? <sighs> and he's the second highest scoring player at his position. Trips is definitely top.
1: You've got 30 um, seconds.
0: It's going to be much of a muchness, isn't it, behind him? I've ruled out forward, I guess I haven't ruled out goalkeeper. But then he is most likely, to, he's under 5 mil, whereas the others aren't. So he could well be the second most valuable player. Yeah, I'm going to switch to Ben White, please.
1: Okay, Forgot your time is almost up. Yeah, so... I'll switch I'm switching to Ben White. Okay. Uh, That was clue three, wasn't it? Clue number four. This player scored last game week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with Ben White, please. I, <laughs> I, <think laughs> I literally just said it when I was deciding the clue, when, when I was making the... Yeah, I, I was like, he scored last game week and I wonder if that's bumped him up to the being the second most owned, sorry, the second the highest point scorer. And that would rule out a goalkeeper, which was perhaps like where I was, What where I was thinking. I don't think a keeper scored last weekend. Oh, I okay, guess last weekend, last game week was a double, so there has a lot of goals. West Ham defenders scored, but then... There's no way they're in. They're the top second highest point scoring at their position. West Ham defenders. Yeah, I'm sticking with Ben
1: White. Sticking I know he scored. And um, so, yeah. Well, he said he said you were sticking after about six seconds there, but you still took another minute. But I assume, <laughs> you're, I assume you're going with that. Yeah, I'll stick with Ben White, please. Okay. Your final clue then. There are three players in his position at his club who are higher owned than him. Who the heck is Stat?
0: Gabriel, Saliba, Zinchenko. Are they all higher owned than Ben White? I mean it makes sense, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put money on it. If That makes sense. Three players at his position that are higher owned. Why do I now want to go back to McAllister? Oh, Solly March, Solly March. Did he score last game week? I, I, I don't know if he did. because He did my absolute heading, cause I own him. I think he got, a, he got a return, but I don't think he scored. Solly March, gross from earlier in the year, McAllister, Matoma. I don't think he's done four years. think he's done more than that I think at this point I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Ben White I think I want the three points more than I want the one if that makes sense well, you have to be right to get any points true but I think at this point I'm gonna st- it, 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 given where I am in the in in the table it makes more sense for me to stick with a three-pointer than than, than than risk lap for maybe one or a zero because so i'll kick
1: myself if i'm wrong so i'm gonna stick with ben white okay sticking with ben white and it's in a late box, season it? charge it's it is solid. ben white it is ben white so i think that's what is that seven points or eight points in two weeks eight in two weeks for chris yeah 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 so that's oh, big. Dude. That's good i think i got like a one and a two or a one and a one or something so a bit of ground getting made up it's still an 11 point lead for me and we only have three uh four fixtures left each um yeah so i mean it's possible but it's quite unlikely but at least it's in it's possible now like i think i'm hopeful that at least listeners might not be switching off early yeah, I mean, you've you've clawed it back into. You're in West Brom in the year when they stay in the managed yeah. to stay up on the last day of the season territory. Like Kieran it's Richardson possible.
0: on someone's shoulders. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what we want.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I think. The obviously you'd mentioned him a few times during the show which was not something I was anticipating which I don't think helped so you'd kind of more closely obviously like looked at yeah. him recently but yeah I thought the fact that he was the second highest scoring defender was interesting that's what mm-hmm. kind of uh, made, ended up getting me to sort of use him because he is quite low owned considering he's the second highest and exactly what you said really he, a goal and an assist in the last two game weeks has pushed him up just ahead of his Arsenal teammates in terms of the number of points he's got so um yeah and the fact that he's cheaper than all them as well is, is what's added to him being the second best value player in the game It is actually trips who's also the best the best value as is well it as being, interesting as interesting. well as being the highest scoring player in the game uh, defender in the game um yeah so it's rare that someone who is the second highest i guess in their position for points isn't even in the top 10 owned in their position Thank so God. um yeah, uh, and and just that last little clue, obviously, I thought was as another kind of interesting one that to have three players in the same position as you at your own club owned more than than you, um, yeah, uh, is one interesting little nugget. And two would have I think being the last clue, really. So if you weren't on Ben White at that point, that would have really eliminated a lot of other people you could have been on, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, almost like I say, almost maybe we go back to a Brighton midfielder, but um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's almost a bit rational, and then you think about the other clues and you're just like, no, that can't be, Soli March isn't the second most valuable player in the game, is he like no, no well
1: no, no. so um, in, um, ter- in terms of his seasons as well, I know you were struggling a little bit on that he did, ha- the, the season he had at Leeds, he is te- was technically registered in FPL for he must have been, was he on loan from Brighton at right, Leeds yeah, that season yeah. perhaps, so he didn't actually play but he was registered right. in FPL that season and then he's had two seasons, um actually playing for, for, for Brighton yeah and then obviously right. now this one at Arsenal so is this is his first season at Arsenal then this year oh uh, actually no I suppose actually no the one before that must have been he was at Arsenal last year wasn't he yeah, so so he so only, only had, had one, one in right. the end for Brighton, Yeah.
0: playing to, yeah okay makes sense makes sense okay great well great stuff um yeah nice obviously, that's a nice way to start the old uh start the old bank holiday weekend uh andy if our if our loyal listeners have any questions about what to do in game week 30 or if they just want to tell us what their bank holiday weekend plans are if they're in the uk that is uh then how can we get in touch
1: Uh, They can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And yeah, as Chris says, just uh, the one set of fixtures in the Premier League compared to the two in the uh, in the EFL. So maybe if you're an EFL fan, which I know some of you are, uh, there might be a couple of games you're going to this weekend. But yeah, uh, do let us know and do make sure you don't miss the deadlines. it feels a bit like a Saturday today, but it's but it bank holiday, you know, Friday, but it's it's not. It is,
0: it is, yeah, indeed, indeed, yeah, I'm not going to Stevenage away today, uh, but I am going to go crew at home on Monday, exciting, it doesn't get any bigger than that, except it definitely, definitely does, uh, do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, as well, uh, Andy and I will be back ahead of game week 30, uh, 31, I guess these two are relatively normal Andy, before we start with blanks and doubles and midweek fixtures and whatnot all over again, uh, I'm Excuse me, so yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll be back uh, a little bit later next week ahead of Game Week 31. But Andy, until then.
1: Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.